Charles sneezed into his handkerchief and wished himself back in London, away from these untamed and uncivilized colonies. The fact that a whim of fate had forced him here left him furious. He was not accustomed to doing anything other than exactly what suited him most. "'As I live and breathe, there's the pride of Weymouth,' cried the captain, moving up alongside him at the rail. "'Look at her resting there at anchor, calm as by your leave. I never thought we'd see her spars again.' Lord Charles, 8th Earl of Sutton, released an explosive breath. It would do no good to bemoan his fate again. He had survived the journey. He had made the crossing. He snuffled and made rejoinder out of courtesy rather than interest. Your son is on that vessel, am I right? Aye, if he didn't wash overboard like your two servants. The lad shipped his midshipman, against his mother's wishes. Eleven years old and the youngest of my brood. I'll rest easier once I learn I don't have to go back and tell the missus he was lost at sea. Charles Harrow sighed heavily and squinted over the bustling capital of the colony known as Nova Scotia. Halifax was a city that threatened to burst its own seams. My servants. The older man had been with Charles since he was a child, since before his father had died and passed on to him the estates and the money and the power. The old servant had been like a second father, so attached to Lord Charles he could not think of letting him make this journey alone. And now he was gone, buried in the heart of a storm Charles had thought would cost them all their lives. As though reading his thoughts, the captain confessed, There were moments when I thought we all were headed for Davy Jones's locker. Charles turned to the captain, noting more grey in the man's beard than there had been at the beginning of their voyage. It seems strange to look at our rigging and not see icicles long as my arm. Crossings to Halifax this early in the season remain rare for good reason. But you made it, sir, and arrived here while the hills remain topped with white. The captain offered the glimmer of a smile. That's something for you to tell your grandchildren. My grandchildren. Charles Harrow ground his teeth at this unwelcome reminder of why he had made the perilous journey. I must be off, he muttered. I'll have a couple of seamen carry your gear, the captain offered a stiff bow. Whatever it was that sent you over, my lord, I hope you're successful. My thanks. Charles Harrow returned the captain's formal bow and started down the gangplank, followed by two seamen laden with trunk and bags. His first step on dry land in two months almost sent him tumbling, for a shepherd led a flock of sheep directly into his path. Only the quick hands of one of the seamen saved him from sprawling in the half-frozen muck. Charles waited as his sea-chest was hefted from the mud and fleetingly wished there were some way to transport himself back to London. But there was no help for it. Fate had dealt him a cruel hand, and he was here. Without power or comforts of wealth and home, and even the familiar faces of his two most trusted servants gone. His only hope was to complete his business, and... Lord Charles? Are you Lord Charles? I am. The mud-spattered young man whipped off his hat and made a parody of a courtly bow. Winston Groom at your service, my lord. I bring Governor Lawrence's sincerest respects. He regrets that he could not be here to greet you himself, but urgent business has called him to the hinterland. Of course. Charles pointed at another flock of bleating animals bearing down on them. Let's carry on somewhere safer, shall we? Certainly, your lordship. This way. 
the man bowed and scraped in the way of someone awed by Charles's station, seeking to lead and follow at the same time. Winston Groom reminded Charles of an oft-beaten dog. Did your lordship have a pleasant journey? Don't be daft, man. Crossing the North Atlantic at any time could hardly be called for pleasantness. A passage between March and April was nothing short of dreadful. Yes, yes, sir. Humble apologies, sir. The Weymouth feared you'd been lost with all hands. The young man was dressed in what most likely passed for high fashion in the colonies. His shirt collar was starched and his winter coat fur-trimmed, but his clothes were as mud-spattered as his boots. Governor Lawrence will be delighted to hear that you survived the journey. Is there a suitable inn in this town? A hostel? A wayfarer's lodging? Indeed, that is where I'm taking your lordship. He led Charles and the two silent seamen up onto the elevated wooden...